Hey everybody, welcome back to Feedback Loop. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Joey. And this week, we are talking about Portishead. We we listened to their debut album, Dummy, last week, and now we're now we're here to talk about it, because that's what we do, if you weren't aware. I, I would hope they're aware at this point. I mean... <laughs> this could be someone's first, right? It could Th- be, theoretically, but, but statistics show that it is not somebody's It's like first. our 90th episode or something, so <laughs> it's whatever. But yeah, so Portishead, Dummy, uh, this is a band that neither of us have really listened to in depth. Um, I've heard... I had heard glory box previously but it wasn't like me seeking it out to listen to it it just kind of like happened onto me because of my sleep music playlist that i was using to fall asleep uh and then i think joey at some point mentioned it or maybe i mentioned it and he he said that he was interested as well so uh we picked it and we're gonna be kind of running with this hopefully well i'm not gonna say hopefully we'll, we'll do what we want but we're, we're continuing this theme of listening to albums that neither of us have, have really listened to, because that's kind of what we wanted from this anyways, to just to d- discover new things. So we're, 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 we're talking about Portishead. Living the dream, man. <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> Recording the dream and releasing the dream to the internet. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else exciting to say about this. Yeah, the only thing, than... some things that are like mysterious, like, like sort of Misterons, that type of that type of thing. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a horrible week for segues. Track number one, Mister Ons, which uh, I I found out is a title that was taken from a TV series called uh, Captain Scarlet and the and the Mister Ons. Wait, was that just part of the Thunderbirds? I don't think so. I don't know. God fucking damn it! Don't act like I I have all the research. I just I just noticed oh. that the the thing is they're from a TV show. It was. Aliens. It was like a sci-fi thing. It's like related to the Thunderbirds in the sense that it was like the puppets and stuff, I think. Oh, interesting. Anyways, track number one's Mr. <laughs> Run. This, this is our first exposure, our first full exposure, I suppose, to Portishead. Start us off, Joey. What, what did you get from this? Okay, so I really didn't know what to expect at all. I mean, I'd heard that kind of, they were kind of like this trippy, spacey, whatever is all I've heard about Portishead, really. And yeah. the stuff that I've heard, the snippets that I'd heard kind of fit that. But dude, I was not expecting how much I liked this album <laughs> and this this song. It's just like it starts off with this cool like trip hop vibe, which is a word that I kept seeing whenever I was looking at like the genre of this band and everything. So yeah, they, they're, they're credited with like pioneering the the trip hop genre, I think. Well, they're really fucking good at it. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's got this like really nice echoey guitar line that like sounds almost spooky, but then the drums come in with this hip hop beat and it's got a theremin in it, which just yeah. gives it a cool like I don't know, they say that it's taken from a a 60s cartoon or whatever that Captain Scarlet and the Misterons and the theremin just it hits that vibe so hard of cuz that's just what I think of whenever I hear that sound is like people trying to sound like they're in space in the 60s yeah yeah and, which is it's, it's accurate in my brain that's that's canonically what space sounds like for me it has to be i mean it has to be what space sounds like <laughs> i i think if i ever go to space and it doesn't have theremins playing constantly i'm gonna be disappointed i think if i ever go to space i'm gonna die because there's no way i i could survive I mean, you can, in space you can safely go to space from from the inside of a rocket ship or something joey I can, don't be, but don't be so dramatic. I know I'd fuck something <laughs> up. Like if I tried to go out in space, I'd I'd die immediately. Not by yourself. They're 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 gonna be, you know, uh, commercial flights to space to Mars <laughs> yeah. at some point, maybe in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll hold on hope. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it's got a nice like kind of eerie, haunting vibe to it. I the drum loops on this album, I fucking love. They <laughs> they picked out. Very great samples, very great drum loops. And I kind of knew that you were going to like this as I was kind of going through it because you, you've you mentioned, not that this is exactly the same, but you, you mentioned a lot that you enjoy like Plunderphonics and, and stuff that oh, yeah. is very sample heavy. And we've discussed that and they, they pick a lot of nice clean samples and twist them into, into some cool shit. A lot of it's like hip hop drum beats, like you said. They uh, They also do like a lot of record scratching and stuff to kind of like DJ it and, and blend things and, and mix it up, which it just develops this, this very special sound 
that they kind of run with through this whole album. And it's not that this album's one note, because it's definitely not. Each track is kind of its own thing. But they have their kind of set of rules, and then they kind of variate on that throughout it. And I think it works fantastically. I love the sound of this album. I, yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that brings up a cool thing that I like about sampling. Like, they do have their own set of rules, and they have their own sound. But I feel like, I don't know, when you're a band and you have a sound, like if you're Led Zeppelin or some shit, and you're all playing your instruments, whatever, you have a sound, it's all going to end up sounding pretty similar to to each song. Whenever you have a sound and you sampling, you have the entirety of the world's genres and music to to sample from. So even if you have a, a style of sampling, you still have a wider base variety of sounds, I feel like, right. to make that, that, that signature sound with that brings a lot more variety. And I feel like they do a good job of that on this album. Yeah, there, there is a lot of variety, but it's all still kept within this kind of narrow tone, I suppose, where yeah. the whole album just kind of has this kind of slow plotting, kind of mysterious vibe to it. And they re- they do that really well. And I think the vocals really help with that. The the singer who I'm blanking on what her name was, I, I looked it up before this. It was Beth, uh, Beth. Yep. Beth Gibbons. Beth Gibbons. There you go. But yeah, she she has a great voice. It's, it's very clean. And I, I really like the treatment of her vocals on this album because it's very bare. It doesn't have a lot of processing and, and mastering and mixing and stuff going on with it. They just kind of like let her sing. Maybe there's a little bit of reverb at times and sometimes it's a bit washed out but for the most part it's just her voice it's her natural voice and she just kind of sings in such a nice way to fit the music and it totally changes the vibe of songs when her vocals come in at at times throughout this album they they pull a lot of cool switches and vibes that that i really like but not necessarily on the song specifically but i just i I love her vocals i love it just there's so much so much vibe in this album her voice is so raw and it's awesome. She's good at sounding exasperated. She's good at like having this kind of wailing, wavering quality to it whenever she needs to, but then also keeping it nice and clean whenever it's necessary as well. Like she just has a lot of control over the rawness of her voice, which is super cool. Yeah. And and to that point, the lyrics I I kind of rushed my notes. I didn't rush my notes. I'm not going to say that. I did not rush my notes. I procrastinated on my notes <laughs> this week. I was doing them up into us recording pretty much uh, tonight. So I didn't have a lot of time to go back over my notes and kind of make things a bit more cohesive. So as far as lyrics go and the theming of the album lyrically, to me, it, it my notes are not going to track necessarily with where I end up. And that's to say that like later on in the album, I started piecing things together that didn't make sense to me at the beginning. So for this one, it started out, I had no context for this album. And so it was kind of vague to me, but it seemed like she was singing about somebody that had done terrible things. And that person is denying doing that. And potentially they're pointing out issues in other people's lives to kind of distract from their own wrongdoings. Yeah. I see. I got that as well. And to your point, with us doing these albums that we're kind of getting a fresh look at, I feel like it's harder to get a deep meaning of the lyrics immediately. Right. Which, I mean, it's not like we're listening to the albums once or whatever. Yeah. We're listening to them multiple times throughout the week. But whereas normally we'd have an album that, like, an album that we've been listening to for years and had time to really settle into, mm-hmm. these are kind of like, it's hard to immediately get context if it doesn't. Like the music for this album is what really stuck out to me yeah. over the lyrics. Uh, not to say the lyrics aren't good. They're just like in this song, yeah, they're kind of vague and esoteric. And it, they gave me a, a general feeling of regret and shame. But I didn't know necessarily if it was her feeling that about herself, about things that she's done, or if she's speaking to somebody else as if they should be feeling these things for how they've lived their life. Yeah, and I think in hindsight, I think it's a little bit of both, but we'll talk yeah. about that because, again, my notes kind of evolve and I kind of start piecing things together towards the end of the album, which is maybe later than I should have started piecing <laughs> things together. But in the last, like, three or four songs, it really clicked what the album was about for me. Yeah, the I mean, the only thing I can really say for certain is that there's some sour times being described in this, in this Yeah, song. sour is a good descriptor 
for a lot of the the sounds of this album, including track number two, Sour Times. There we go. Pulling it back, pulling it back. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting through it. We're going to struggle through it, but we'll get through it. <laughs> this one has, uh, it's a bit more upbeat than the previous track, but it still kind of keeps the mystique of their sound. It, it kind of has these like James Bond kind of surf rocky jazzy yeah. vibes to it that that I really enjoy, but it still maintains like a strong drum loop that gives that kind of hip hop flavor to it, which I think is really cool. They 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 use a lot of hip hop drum samples and drum loops and stuff, and I think they experiment with that to get some really cool sounds, including this track. Uh it's interesting, this is the first track, well this is the second track on the album, but it's the first track that she she kind of like fakes her voice almost at some points it seems where she's kind of leaning into a certain like accent or a style to kind of fit the, the, the kind of older James Bond kind of styling of, of music that I yeah. think is really cool. Yeah. I got the way I described it. Uh, what's that borderlands three DLC uh, bounty of blood, the, the Japanese yeah. Western one. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember. I was getting back for blood and bounty of blood stuff <laughs> yeah. like switched up in my head. Different but, games. Yeah. It was a mix of that and a James Bond, like a Japanese Western style type deal with like the jangle mainly with like the jangly guitars yeah. that come in or whatever they are. I don't actually know if they're guitars. There's so many things <laughs> that it could be. But yeah. uh but then there's also that really chunky bassy guitar that plays that descending line that re- that adds that James Bond feel to it and just like the use of sampling in the song is fucking a great blend of old and new. Like they're bringing, yeah. they're really good at bringing their sound on top of it, which is what I like about sampling in a lot of like hip hop and a lot of rap is that they're usually taking old samples mm-hmm. and just bringing completely new life into them. And it's just super cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to that point, this album itself was released in 1994. Yeah. This album is almost 20 years old, but it still sounds like super fresh. And it it sounds it it it's fantastic. It whole it stands up to the test of time, I believe, because it, it just th- those samples they were old at the time, presumably. At least most of them were. I think some of them were a bit more modern at the time, but it all just like I don't know. It it holds up. It sticks together very well. Yeah, it. I feel like that's just the crazy thing about timeless music is uh, you you can always come along and breathe new life into it and it still sounds fresh and not discrediting Portishead at all, but like the samples that they use are very well picked because right. of their timeless feel. And it's just, which I mean, I guess is even more credit to them for picking the right the right music, but it's just, it's super cool in that way. And so lyrically i'm uh sorry that was a rough transition but (laughs) i uh i'm still kind of confused on this one whereas like i feel like i have a really good idea of what to say about the music that like lyrically this one seemed to be a take on traditional relationship and marriage values but like like specifically it called out to me in the third verse when she says who am i what and why because all I have left is my memories of yesterday. Oh, these sour times where it's like, she's remembering back to previous, a previous relationship or something that happened and is wondering, am I just like my memories or I'm the feeling like all of the only thing that's left of you is your memories. And that's like a feeling that I've felt plenty like just that, who I am now is made up of the memories of the past, which I guess you can just explain away, which it seems like, I don't know, maybe it sounds obvious, but it's just a crazy thought. Yeah. I mean, all we are to other people is the memories that they have of us. Right. There's nothing, there's not really, I mean, I guess there is the moments where you're creating a new memory, but as soon as you leave eyesight with that person, their perception of you is based on that memory. So like, it's, it's not too, too far fetched, I guess, to think of yourself as just a collection of memories from other people viewing you. But, uh, but yeah, I, I got a similar vibe. This one definitely has the kind of lost love kind of feel to it where I kind of took it to be like an ex that had moved on and gotten married. And cause there, there were some implications, I think of maybe adultery or, or home wrecking, kind of coming in in the second verse she says end the vows no need to lie 
enjoy take a ride take a shot now which to me was kind of like maybe there's some shady dealings going on even though it might be against someone's wedding vows and i wasn't really sure who was breaking their vows but i kind of again i kind of tie it all together at the end i think yeah and it goes that also could go in with the forbidden fruit hidden eyes thing that she says in the first verse where it sounds like you're hiding hiding something that you're not quite supposed to be having yeah, you're you're kind of maybe you've gotten a new partner and you're just just out there kind of hooking up with random strangers because you're not you're not satisfied. You're you're longing for your ex, even though you found someone new. So you're just trying to trying to find some some love and excitement outside of it with strangers. Well, you know, if you listener are out there feeling the way that Jeremy is currently describing, I got a track for you. It's uh, <laughs> track number three, strangers. Hell yeah. <laughs> This one's got a, a super groovy drum loop. It's got some kind of dark bass to it. I really like the atmosphere of of the song and of this album. Just th- they do such a good job of building the atmosphere on the album, and it, it's great. At some point, everything cuts in this track, just kind of like leaving this distant, echoey vocal and some guitar accompaniment for the first verse, and then the loop kind of kicks back in with with the chorus, kind of bringing it back in, and then there's another like bridge section i suppose towards the end with the, these kind of like cool twinkly sounds <laughs> that just kind of they, they're, they're there for a second and then they kind of snap back to the groove which is it's kind of fun they're, they're playing with the the typical structure of their songs yeah and they do a really good job of it they know how to chop it up this is where i made kind of my first comparison to a band that i i know we both like and it felt weird making this comparison but the way this song started out with like a warped horn instrument thing going on, but then the beat flips into this dark kind of beeping industrial, not industrial entirely vibe, but that's kind of the, the yeah. vibe that the beeping it's gave adjacent. me. Yeah. A- industrial adjacent. There we go. We'll, yeah. we'll go with that. But it gave me an almost gorillas vibe. Yeah. And I, this song came out, I mean this album and this band, was a thing before the gorillas were a thing. So at least I yeah, think so. I, I have like, to, I, I have to imagine Darren was at least somewhat inspired by, if not Portishead, the movement that Portishead kind of pushed. You mean, you mean Damon, Jeremy, you said Darren because, Did because I? we wow. were talking about Darren Malachia <laughs> right before. <laughs> so, sorry. Damon Albarn, the, the <laughs> British singer, not Darren Malachi and the guitarist of system of a down. <laughs> oh god names man but yeah that's not that is not the only i think that's interesting you said that because i made a similar connection later not musically but there's some trivia that's going to come up later oh that that maybe ties to the gorillas as well well that's super fucking cool because that's not the only time i made that comparison on this album so (laughs) lyrically uh this one lined up a bit with mr ron's the first track and that it seemed to, again, kind of be criticizing somebody. And in this case, it seemed like that somebody's being super self-centered and kind of locked into the belief that the way they view life is the way that everyone else views it. And if somebody tries to challenge that, they just reject it and, and say, no, that's not that's not the way it is. Yeah, she really hits that home in the line. Uh, Did you realize no one can see inside your view? Did you realize for why this site belongs to you? Which I feel like is a super cool, insightful way of like looking at somebody having a selfish view, right. being like, not only like do you, you do realize nobody can see in your head and that the world exists outside of your head, but it's also taking into account like it's a good thing that you have your own point of view. Like right. instead of using your singular point of view to be selfish and block everybody else out you should be using that to help other people by letting them also see your point of view right it's kind of enhance and and come to some sort of shared ground from it yeah that's why collaboration works folks yeah it could be it could be super sweet if gorillas and portishead collabed i think that would be super sweet that would be so sweet if if only it could happen on track number four it could be sweet (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah good segues good segues keep it going uh this one it immediately has such a boppy beat like it's so trippy and it just gets into it with a little break beat and that old horn stab synth sound that i remember hearing a lot in the 90s and it's just Mm -hmm. a super throwback immediately but then 
when it gets into like the actual song, it has almost a soft R&B feel, which yeah. is just a super cool change up that they did there. I really liked it. I agree. They didn't even like really change a lot. They just built it. So it started off with that kind of that curveball of the, the more, as you described it, boppy kind of club <laughs> sounds, but they build it in such a way that when the vocals and the keys come in, it really slows things down. It slows down the feel of the song without actually changing the tempo. They're just adding things to it, but totally altering the feel of the song. And I think that's really cool. And I think they do that really well uh, a few points throughout this album. Definitely. This like the soft key melody that they get in the background is just, I could listen to that even without the rest of the music. It's just so, (laughs) it's so nice. It's so pleasant. And that's just, it's super cool. That's what kind of ties it all together. Like the way that they kind of do the reverse buildup where it sounds like it's going to be bigger than it is. But then whenever the, the slower song gets built up to, it's like, oh yeah, this is definitely what the song was supposed to be. Like it doesn't feel out of place at all. It's super cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I appreciate them for doing stuff like that because <laughs> it's it's so innovative and it's not something that you hear even today in a lot of in a lot of popular like radio music, even outside of that. It's not it's not often that I'm left with that kind of misdirection feeling of, of being led in one direction and then having the rug pulled out from under me and landing on a nice soft pillow because it still works perfectly the way they do it. Um yeah, it's it's just a really good song. Uh, once again, though, lyrically, <laughs> I uh, I have I feel like I guess more of an idea what this song like. Things are starting to fall into place, but it hasn't quite clicked yet. Mm-hmm. This one, it seems more like it's about the hard trials of like real love, about the bittersweet bittersweet aspects of it that don't usually get talked about in, I guess, the radio songs and everything and the title it could be sweet is talking about seeing through all those things and and realizing i guess the end goal or right. or the good parts past the bitter parts yeah for sure i i took that in a similar vein i think where she she's definitely wanting to work on this relationship that seems to be failing but i think this is maybe after the fact where the her partner is kind of accusing her of things that she didn't do. And he's like moving on. He, he's saying, no, like this is over. I, I don't like you. This you're, you've done something to upset me. I'm moving on. And she's back here saying like, no, like I, I don't want to lose us. This is something that people have to go through to have a successful relationship. They're going to be hard times, but, but if we work through it, instead of just giving up and calling it quits, we could, we could find something really nice. And it doesn't seem like her, her partner's wanting that. Yeah, he's just wanting to be a wandering star running around out there, who knows where, not yeah, working on the relationship. Going to clubs, listening to track number five, Wandering Star. Nice! <laughs> We're doing it. This one has a really cool, like, pulsing synth rhythm that leads off the song with another great drum loop that comes in. It just has a super clean vibe. I really like it. The record scratching comes back, and it really pops out for me on this track because I don't think there was a whole lot of it in the tracks leading up to it, but it, it kind of comes back in full force here. And there's, there's even a cool little like solo section that gives their, their turntablist or DJ some time to kind of play with samples and it, it doesn't overstay as welcome, but it is a pretty good chunk of time. Yeah. That solo that he did or whatever, it's like a super cool scratching. It's of a harmonica, I guess is what it sounds yeah. like. And it almost decided next week's album until i was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna stay on on the train of discovery yeah discovery i'm not gonna fall back in my old ways but it almost got me because i was just like this is so cool and i want to just listen to a lot of super cool like dj scratching fucking yeah i'm into turntablism we can go down that we can go down that route at some point we, we will we will but this is where this song is where I kind of hit my feel of the bass on this album. It just, the guy who plays the bass, I, I got to look up his name again. It's, it's not a, a name that I would have stored in my brain. It's not a common name. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody cares about bassists. <laughs> well, I, so it looks like Adrian Utley 
is his yeah, last. I name. think he's credited with producing a lot on this album as well. Yeah, he his bass work on this fucking album or guitar. I don't know. There's no bass credited on Genius, but whatever is taking the role of the bass on here is fucking sick, and it just sounds so dark, and it gives it such a cool feel. I just. It, it happens a lot on different songs on this album. I'm just pointing it out here because I really like this song. Yeah, I, just I also like, really like the song. <laughs> I like the dark vibe of it. It's just, it hits, it hits my, I guess my sad boy area, but it's okay. not, it's not like a super sad boy type song. I mean, I guess, I guess the lyrics kind of yeah, go in that direction. I was going to say, I feel like lyrically, this is, this is maybe the most sad boy song on the album. Yeah, sad boy. I guess it just has modern connotations, and I need to I need to reassess what my <laughs> my definition of the sad boy. But yeah, l- lyrically, I, to to me, this one was kind of about suffering depression due to this kind of realization or awakening to the fact that the world is so fucked up, and it, it seems like she's feeling like she's opened her eyes for the first time and seeing all of this corruption and, and predation and every aspect of her life and feeling so incredibly isolated and alone because nobody seems to give a shit, which kind of like in my mind hits a similar vibe of like a John Carpenter's they live yeah, where, where the guy has the glasses that kind of like lets them see the reality of, of things around them. Definitely. Like that's essentially what I got as well, which hopefully means we've come to some sort of convergence <laughs> in, in, in our, uh, reading of this album yeah we, we can converge like two sticks on a campfire and we can rub them together at, if we're lost in in the the space jungle and, yeah and, and scream it's a fire yeah we'll just be be two astronauts listening to trek number six it's a fire <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> space fire <laughs> which doesn't make sense yeah but, that can't yeah. happen but you know it can when you listen to the power of music or something like there that. you go that's that's what it is this one has some synth strings that build some really good suspense at the start of this track and then the vocals come in and the organ comes in and it releases all that tension this is another one of those kind of curveball moments for me that they pulled off very well and it this song becomes this kind of like soft ballad kind of a thing uh the beat does come in at some point and restoring some of that energy but still mostly a pretty like soft and and somber track yeah i'm it is a pretty soft and somber track but i go on a tangent here and in my notes buckle up it's it's not like a tangent that's going to take an hour but (laughs) so this is a theme that is strictly contained to this song and i don't know where it came from it just popped into my head but the way that the music is in here, there's an organ or some sort of organ-sounding piano. Yeah. The the chord progression in it almost reminds me of like a gospel or church music. Yeah. And uh, it this is what led me to the tangent. Because Wandering Star, it had some, some biblical themes in it. Like right. mainly for, I guess, simile or just comparing things. It, I don't think it was really a religious song. At least that's not what I got right at all and didn't really get at any other point in the album but uh this somehow this song made me think that i didn't know if she was like shedding faith or trying to adopt faith like Mm -hmm. if she was on one side of the coin and wanted to be on the other i couldn't quite get it out or figure it out but then the way she was sitting on the album cover it's just a blue background and then like a widescreen picture of her, a grainy, I, I mean, it might not be actually Beth Gibbons. It, right. it could, it could literally there, it could just be a any, female. There's a there, one. Yeah. Sitting on a chair, kind of like looked like she's strapped to the chair in this really grainy picture. And it, it just hit my mind. Have you ever seen that like shock movie begotten? I've not. Okay. It was like, it can't, I, I had to check the timing because I thought that it was supposed to be some sort of play. So like the uh, Begotten movie, it was like an edgy movie back in the day Mm -hmm. that was God sitting in a chair and he like kills himself by like slicing his throat open and he's just like bleeding everywhere and it's all in black and white, but he's sitting in a chair much like this position 
and it was just like supposed to be about like the death of religion or something. And I was like, is she sitting in this chair to mimic that movie? And is she trying to say in this song that she doesn't know if religion is for her? And I don't know why I went down this rabbit hole because (laughs) nowhere else in the album do I get anything close to this. And it would be really fucking weird for just this one song to have that, that, that imagery. But that's just where my mind went for this song. So I think you're onto something. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I think you maybe lean too hard in the religious direction. Because I also, later when I started tying things together, I, I noted the album art. I didn't write it down, but I was looking at it. I'm like, wow, that actually makes perfect sense. To me, the album art of her sitting in the chair kind of gives me vibes of someone either being cut on as for like surgery or better yet, someone being kind of programmed into believing a certain way or, or thinking, which... You could argue, again, the, the religious thing still is there, but it just seems more like someone's strapped and being forced to like experience things against their will, being forced to watch some some propaganda or whatever and being kind of programmed in, in a way, being being tortured almost, as well as kind of where I took the album art to go, which I think kind of lines up with some themes that I'll start tying together in the next few tracks. Well, awesome. Let's, so let's, I, I, uh... think, I think we're on us. I think you weren't far from the mark. I don't think it was as focused on religion. I think it was focused on something else. On just general programming thought. Yeah, and that's the weird thing, because I don't have... The religion aspect doesn't... Religion specifically doesn't come back for me. So I don't I don't know why I leaned in so hard on it there, but it was just like a thought that I had, and I was like, I gotta write this down. Yeah, there, there were definitely some points in this album, I think, in, in Wandering Star and on this one, that I definitely felt the kind of religious imagery being used, but I didn't lean into that as much. And I think it allowed things to be a bit more cohesive later. I, I, I haven't numbed myself necessarily to the idea of it being about religion, but I, I think it might go in a different direction. Yeah. Well, we'll have to just find out in track number seven. Numb. <laughs> nice. Good yeah. segment. You did it, man. We did it. This one has uh, some nice like rock organ going on, and there's like another good drum loop with some some sample scratching and warping and stuff. That's kind of kind of their sound at this point, where it, it's it's not it's not a lot to describe that is d- distinct. But her voice is distinct. I mean, each track is distinct. Again, kind of like what we were saying at the beginning. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but they, they've developed a sound and they experiment within that sound. So it, it kind of hits a point where there's not a lot that we can describe that we haven't just been repeating ad nauseum. But uh, her voice here in this track sounds distinctly different from the rest of the album and places, which is kind of similar to how she leaned into some accents and sounds on Sour Times. And she she really knows how to use her voice to kind of fit the music or fit the themes very well. Yeah, it gets kind of haunting in a way. Like it sounds like she's wailing a little bit. Like she's yeah. definitely leaning into the more eerie aspect of her voice on this song. And it's a super cool, super cool change after, after her, I guess her normal singing right. on the past few songs. What, what but, we assume is her normal singing. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, lyrically uh, this one, it felt like another extension of, did we even talk about the lyrics on the last track? I'm just not realizing this. I guess we kind of kind of did a little bit. I didn't talk. We we covered some general themes. Yeah. So so just to quickly recap my thoughts on it's a fire. It felt like this was the balance of Wandering Star, where Wandering Star was a very depressive kind of look at it. It felt like she was kind of finding some sort of peace or acceptance with the world being awful, because she's kind of acknowledging that she was part of the awful herself. So this song numb, it felt like a further extension of those themes, and that she's kind of driven further into feeling isolated and seems to use that isolation as an excuse to continue doing some terrible thing, which I hadn't put together in my mind yet, but I do kind of come to a conclusion to what I think she's doing that she uses as terrible. And I think by the last track, it becomes completely clear, which is kind of a credit to the way they arranged the album. But it was kind of like, I was wondering if she was maybe hooking up still like hooking up with her ex that found someone new, or maybe she's the one that's in the new relationship and cheating on her partner. It kind of brought back some of those themes to me where she, she there's this theme of her being deceitful in a world full of deceit that kind of is it's a recurring theme throughout the album 
and a few of the songs being about lost lovers kind of kind of tied that together for me yeah this one i couldn't i was kind of in the same camp as you i couldn't tell if it was her like th- this was a reveal that she was the one who was kind of having like an affair throughout the whole time which i mean wouldn't have made too much sense given how she was talking in the first few tracks but right. i mean I if did... she was the one that was denying it like the first track had someone denying that they were doing any wrong and maybe that was her denying that she was the one cheating the whole time which so she was kind of projecting it onto her ex maybe yeah that could be that's kind of how it came to me which whenever she's just talking about feeling the loneliness that won't leave her alone that was kind of where my mind like was like she's she's getting out because it's not really a relationship anymore but she's still in it she hasn't made the the distinct decision to leave so she's kind of one foot out the door and she's i guess feeling bad about it interesting i i think i think that is a possibility but also in the next track, I really tie things together that, that kind of maybe doesn't necessarily agree with it. But we'll see. We'll have some good discussion. Yeah. We'll see we'll see where those roads go. Yeah, well, let's find out in the next episode. Track eight. Roads. <laughs> in the next episode, we're ending Feedback Loop early. Doing see half an album per week, guys. Had me scared. Track eight, Roads. Take it away, Joey. Okay. Well, so this song's called Roads. And the this super wavy keyboard sounding instrument that they play is called a Fender Rhodes, but it's spelled like R H O D E S. So I thought, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but God, I just love the sound of it because it's like this slightly faltering key sounding thing that just gives it a nice, slightly dark sound to the whole the whole song. Um, and then it builds up with this cool drum part. And then the song comes in with a string part that just ties together really fucking well. And this is definitely, like, musically, it is one of my favorite songs on the on the album. Uh, okay. And the bass, the bass, of course, that comes in towards the end of the track is just a very nice touch, you know? It's like, it's like a little cherry on top to hear <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah, I really, I, I do really like this track. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album as well. It just, uh, you, you nailed it. The, the sounds that they get are just so clean and precise and they fit perfectly and they feel good. This is this is the song in which there's some trivia. So, so this song was used in a couple of movie soundtracks, one of which was Tank Girl. Yeah. Which is okay. a film adaptation of the comic, which uh, Jamie Hewlett drew. Jamie Hewlett drew Tank Girl. He's the co-creator of Tank Girl. Uh, Jamie Hewlett, also the artist for Gorillaz. Which is just super sick. You <laughs> yeah. know? Everything's me, connected. Makes me think maybe it's like way more connected than I could have possibly imagined. It's possible. I think honestly what it is is just Portishead seems really in tune with the kind of what I guess now is pop culture. Like they have like weird sci-fi references and they have a lot of diverse kind of media references throughout their whole album and this is just kind of it makes sense that they would want to be associated with tank girl i think because it it just seems like they're really in tune with that kind of pop culture yeah man you got me all sorts of excited to to see how you how you tie up some some things (laughs) on this on this album okay I'll, i'll i'll go ahead and do it then Unless you're wanting to to get your thoughts out first. I don't care. No, no, you do it. So my thoughts can just pale in comparison. Okay. So initially, this this seems like it's another song about feeling depressed and isolated amongst society. She she mentions that she has a a war to fight. And the previous track, she kind of ends by saying that she's a lady of war. So this is where things started kind of like spinning in my head. I think the story is that her ex broke up with her at the beginning because she's not this kind of picture perfect model that is being displayed in media and marketing, which drove her into this kind of depression. That was a sort of tipping point for making her upset about how absolutely fake and fickle society is at a whole as a whole. And this war that she's trying to fight is to get people to kind of realize how ridiculous these standards are, but she's also still trying to fit in and adhere to these norms. Thus her personal deceit that she's kind of been referencing, even if it is just to draw attention to her struggle. 
she's she's kind of conforming just to like be, because she can't not she can't buck all of these societal trends and still make a point otherwise she'd be like exiled from society and wouldn't be able to like bring about any sort of change so i think a lot of this album is about women's beauty standards in short that is way more in depth than anything i got but i like it like the playing within i guess the limitations that are being set upon you to try yeah. to affect change kind of like what we had talked about with uh with what pat the bunny should have done whenever you're t- like the you got to right. live within within <laughs> society to try to make any societal changes you can't just fucking burn down a bunch of buildings right. <laughs> and, and hope that, that things are going to change but yeah and i think the album art again reflected kind of that's why my mind kind of went to both the, the plastic surgery aspect of it which is maybe a bit too on the nose and then the kind of brainwashing of society kind of being led to believe that a pick like the the perfect woman looks a certain way and behaves a certain way and it's clear to me that she doesn't fit in that model and this is and it's hurt her in the past and now she's kind of like she's hoping to bring light to that kind of shit see i yeah this song kind of it confused me and i kind of had to make things fit to fit whatever uh i was i guess i had to do some mental gymnastics but hearing your analysis of it i think i'm just entirely wrong uh, so the like the chorus is how can it feel this wrong from this moment how can it feel this wrong and in the previous song i was thinking that she was the one who was kind of stepping out on her relationship mm-hmm. and she was i th- i thought she was doing it out of a feeling of loneliness in her relationship like she just was not connected with this other person and then had found somebody else and was now questioning like she feels bad about it but she's like i'm doing this for me why am I not, why am I now feeling bad about doing this? And right. The war was in relation was talking about the relationship that we she was still in versus kind of the life that she was wanting to live. And whenever we that's I guess that's where the stretch was where it was like she's saying we've got a war to fight, but it was mainly just she was fighting her own war. Yeah, I don't but, think that's necessarily wrong. I don't think it's a bad take at all i mean again my theory could be completely wrong but i i think some things started clicking here and and to me the the remaining tracks on the album just kind of reinforce that idea for me at least what i got out of them well for now i'm going to be putting your idea up on a pedestal because i think it's way better <laughs> than mine we no no joey that's the issue we're trying to take things off of pedestals we're not we're not trying to keep these idealized conceptions of people like in track number nine pedestal nice Freaking nice. I, I'm patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one. This is another great like hip-hoppy drum and bass loop with some more record scratching. The drum loop adds this ride cymbal after the intro and with her vocals and the bass line that kind of hits another kind of... It hits a jazzy hip-hop hybrid kind of place, which is just a great vibe. Yeah, this was another one that I kind of equated to the gorillas like not necessarily like it sounded like a gorilla song or anything but it's yeah it's I mean, got a, the, a lot of especially on like gorilla's first album it's it's very much in a similar vibe to, to a lot of the stuff on this album yeah which is huge like it's just i really fucking like this the music on this this song this whole fucking album like i <laughs> honestly after listening to this album this week i cannot believe that it took me this long to listen to Portishead. It just, yeah. it blows my mind that <laughs> I hadn't even just come across it or really like given it a fair chance up until yeah. now. I mean, that's why we're doing this, right? We're, we're trying to discover things because we know that there's good shit out there that we haven't found. And this just happens it, to be part of it. And it doesn't even have to be. That's the thing that's crazy. Like Glory Box, their big single that you were like on Spotify, that has like a hundred and something million plays. It's yeah. not even underground music. People talk about Portishead all the time. What, what's what's wrong with me? Yeah, what's... I think I think it's just because I I don't know how well it, it's kind of hard to view this through the lens of the past, right? This album came out in 1994, and just because like we don't have I haven't done research into I guess I should say when they started to make waves. I know their album did very well, but I don't know. I I get the sensation that glory box specifically is blowing up recently 
Yeah. And I'm wondering how much that's affecting, you know, the Spotify counts or, or the genius views. Cause a genius tracks how many views each, uh, track has and this one has by and by and large the by and far by and, i don't know what the phrase is <laughs> has the most views of any song on on the album so yeah. I, I feel like glory box is like a big single and it deserves it i think but this whole album is just fucking great yeah for real it's if it is a new trend for people to start looking at this i that's one of the things that i love the connectivity of the internet and stuff for yeah. is like not saying that the internet caused it, but I don't I know. Mean, like Steely Dan is making a comeback. It's yeah. fucking Steely Dan, dude. My mom fell asleep at a Steely Dan concert because she hated it. And now like <laughs> fucking 15 year old zoomers are running around on their, on their little, uh, little hoverboard things, listening to Steely Dan. <laughs> Hell yeah. man! <laughs> Flossing it, and just like dabbing. Is that what, is that what the kids do now? <laughs> I think that might be out now. I don't know. I think that might have come and gone. But at, on a related note, if it, I feel like there's this this desire in the older generations, the people that have experienced things before they get big and trendy and, and viral and whatnot, now it is to kind of push back to latch out and be like, oh no, like you damn kids these days, you don't even know, you don't know a port head. You you only like listen to Glory Box. Don't be like that. It's a good thing that, that new people are being introduced to things you love. Let that be a good thing. You don't need to to gatekeep that just you because don't. some kid's younger than you. Well, and that like that's what that's what you want, right? Like who yeah. wants somebody who makes I don't know, say like Portishead changed your fucking life and it just really hit you deep and you just owe a ton of stuff to the people in Portishead. Don't you want them? To be successful, don't you want to have other people potentially be changed in the way that you were changed? You shouldn't put up a stone wall and be like, "No, I I was here before before the TikTok or whatever like yeah. caused them to blow up." Like, I get that that's it's special to you, and maybe that's like the first thing that you think yeah, of. People instinctively want to protect, but man, it's good for the artist because. They made these things that are amazing and now they're getting full recognition for it. Or it's good for other people to discover music that can be just as powerful. Or even just things that they enjoy. It's okay to just fucking enjoy something on, on a base level and not have this deep connection with it. Like, yeah, that's fine. It, not everything needs to be super deep and people can enjoy that. People can enjoy one song from a band and that's fine. You don't have to love every album by a band. You can be right. like, I like, I like their hits. That's fi- that's why they make greatest hits albums. That's yeah. fine, but yeah, yeah. You, you, Tool doesn't have to change everyone's life, you know. Tool it's, it's, doesn't it's okay. change. <laughs> that's a hot take coming in, Joey. <laughs> Go ahead, finish your thought. Tool is a band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it, it's okay for someone to not like Tool, and yeah. people need need to be okay with that. Yeah, and other bands. I'm just singling out Tool because they're a fun meme to pick on. But yeah, we got off topic. Uh, lyrically, oh <laughs> pedestal. Before before we move on, pedestal. This one kind of reinforces my previous interpretation. I think with the pedestal literally being, you know, a metaphorical place to to put things that are they're great and often with like exaggerated expectations of what things should be. And yeah, I think, that, I think that ties in with the beauty standards that I was kind of getting at. I definitely think it does. I was taking the pedestal to be like she had put. So she was stepping out on this relationship and was starting to feel bad about it. And it was it's still currently feeling bad about it. And I was taking the pedestal, at least from the title of the song, to mean that she was putting her original relationship up on a pedestal. And that's why she was kind of trying to hold on to it instead of just give up. Yeah, like letting go. go. And like, it wasn't working and like realizing that, but I definitely like your take more, but you know, this is my take and I guess I'm sticking with it. (laughs) I mean, it's okay to have different, different perspectives. I I do think, I don't know. I feel like there are lyrics in this that specifically stand out to me to, to reinforce, but I guess that's confirmation bias at this point where she's just like through the force of a man undenied by his eye. Maybe that's me reading too much into the use of the word man kind of a thing yeah. if there's if there's these gender things but then she also kind of goes on and 
with, I don't know, just the way she says in verse two, she says, enter and rejoice this pedestal where the rainbows hide kind of to me implies that like people that conform to those standards are celebrated. They're placed up high. They're, they're allowed to, to enjoy life and revel in, in all of the colors of the life. Whereas she's kind of stuck questioning, like, what is the purpose? Why, why are these standards set so arbitrarily high and, and so specific and, and niche? Like there's, there's no reason for that. Everyone should be able to experience the, the quote unquote rainbows. They shouldn't be hidden away and reserved for only the, the quote unquote prettiest looking women. Pretty changes all the fucking time. It does. Which it just historically show, changed. <laughs> just goes to show you how bullshit it all is. <laughs> right. And and that's I think that's I think that is the big theme that I took away from this album is that she was kind of trying to get to back in the nineties. I mean, it's still an issue twenty years later. Not a whole lot has changed. People are still yeah. very fickle and fake. Which is Maybe the inverse. Even more of, so. Yeah, I'd say that's the inverse where I was talking about it's great, the internet's great, and the connectivity is great to to discover art and things. I feel like the opposite can be said whenever it comes to like beauty standards and yeah. just general pressure from people around you where it's like every everything is so fake on Yeah, and, and kids are being brainwashed into thinking that that's just the way that they should look and that's that's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, dude, fucking live a little. Eat a biscuit if you want to. Like, Hell yeah, dude. I fucking love biscuits. <laughs> Me too, dude. Oh my god. We should, we should go get biscuits and gravy sometime and talk about track number 10, Biscuit. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, this song is, uh, not only is it named after Delicious, which, hold on, these guys are from uh, Britain, UK? Yeah. I don't, I don't know specifically where, and I don't know what different parts are different, but a they're biscuit Br- is something. Bristol, Bristol, England. Okay. Well, they're from England then. A biscuit is different in, in England. So they're pro- are they talking about like the cookie cracker biscuit that you dip Probably. in tea? Okay. Cause I'm talking about like fluffy, delicious yeah, biscuits. It's a gravy, man. And, uh, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the, the, the key part, like this song, it just start. it starts off sounding, nice and dark the key part mixed with the horn samples in the background just give it such a cool feeling like the whole use of samples in this album has been great the use of samples in this song is fucking phenomenal to me like (laughs) yeah the slowed down eerie sound of like just the whole sample which another thing you were talking about the drum loops where i think they bring in i guess drum samples the mixing of the drum samples that they pick and I think they slow them down or speed them up or whatever to fit, I guess, the music. Mm-hmm. It just works so well. It Agreed. just makes it sound so fucking cool. And yeah, it's, uh, I know I've said this several times, but it's one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> yeah, this, this album's full of bangers. And that's what I was saying about Glory Box blowing up. I, I, I get it. I understand why Glory Box is the one chosen. But this whole album is, is fantastic, and it deserves more recognition overall. I think. Yes. Also, yes, it does. For this track, uh, I don't know. Have you listened to Meg Myers? I feel like you haven't. I feel like we uh, talked about her. No, I don't think I have. Her vocals, a lot of the vocals that Beth has on this album, kind of hit a very similar place to Meg Myers for me. So maybe we'll do a Meg Myers. I I almost picked Meg Myers a few weeks back, and I still haven't decided which album from Meg Myers I want to do, but at some point we will loop back to, to Meg Myers. And I, I think there are some, some nice similarities. I feel like Meg Myers was inspired by Beth's vocals on this. Well, I'll, uh, I'll wait with bated breath to listen to <laughs> Meg Myers then. Cause if, if her voice sounds anything like, like Beth's voice, then I'm for it. Lyrically, uh, this one, I think, again, kind of starts blending things together. All the the big themes that I've kind of been peeling back, it blends them together very well. And that, to me, this it felt like she felt like her ex wouldn't listen to her reasoning before leaving her. And now nobody is listening to her. Like, society as a whole is no longer listening to her as she tries to point out how inane the, the societal standards and expectations are. Where she kind of, like, it started out with her just being heartbroken from her lover leaving her because she wasn't pretty enough. And it only grew more painful when she realized that nobody else in the world seems to give a shit. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I mean, I, I definitely like your take more. Like I've said, uh, my my notes version of me agrees at least in the escalation of of desperation and depression and yeah, just you can definitely feel there's a bump up in the negative emotions here, where she feels like she's even more lost and even more distraught over over whatever she was feeling. I took it more as maybe she ended one of the relationships. I couldn't tell. And that caused some sort of spiral at this point. But yeah. I, I'm, I guess my, my, my interpretation of the album is starting to come apart at the seams at this, at this point. So <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I totally, I totally feel that there's still this kind of underlying feeling of her still craving a relationship right i mean in verse two she says full fed yet i still hunger torn inside so like she she i i think it's not far to draw that connection to a relationship right where where she's had bad relationships that have failed and she she's feeling alone and depressed because of that but she still wants to be with somebody she's still lonely because loneliness is something that you can't really get away from Well, I was going to segue, and then I waited too long. That's fine. But, Track number but, 11, Glory Box. The song you've all been hearing about and maybe have heard. <laughs> yeah, that's the. I was like, how, how am I going to do this? Because we've said Glory Box like five times. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She could have just brought it up again as if, as if we weren't about to transition into it. <laughs> the last track on the album, Glory Box. I think it does a good job of being a last track. It's a good final track. It's got a nice, simple bass pattern. It's got a clean, tight drum loop. There's some lovely strings and keys. The vocals are fun. There's this powerful chorus with distorted guitars. It just, it makes perfect sense to me that this is like a big single because it just sounds fucking good. Every aspect of it sounds good. Yeah, it really does. Like it just, it has a nice bluesy, slow, smooth feel throughout all of it. And a lot of that does, has to do with the sample choice of, uh, Isaac Hayes, that's what Ike's rap too. I think is what yeah yeah the sample and Isaac Hayes. Uh, some of you pe- more new people might know him as Chef from South Park is who he he voiced. Oh, that's interesting. That's a fun fact. But uh, dude made some sick ass music. It was just really fucking good, and I really appreciate the sample here. It just all blends so fucking well together, and. Like you said, I definitely understand why it was the big single, but check out the rest of the album, everybody sure. who's only heard Glory Box. Like yeah. uh, the the guitar that comes in during this chorus too is just so cool and crunchy, and yeah. adds like some nice bite to an otherwise smooth song. Yeah, and, and the guitar solo really like the guitar solo comes in, and it's not like too wild, but it it brings the vibes to to a new level. It, it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's a good, a quote unquote good guitar tone necessarily, but it's, it's a good tone in that it hits a feeling. It feels so raw and visceral. And then like you said, crunchy, it, it just, it works perfectly. Yeah. I think it's the perfect guitar tone for this yes. song. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, it's got, it kind of hits, hits a sloppy kind of vibe. That's not in a bad way, but like sloppy is in like the Jimmy Page way to bring to bring one Zeppelin back up, where it's it's not like a super clean tone, it's not super polished playing, but it gets the emotion across the way it needs to. Definitely. Um, Well, you know what? I guess I'll start off with the lyrics on this one so that we can end on a high note. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so kind of what I got this song is about wanting to find someone to share her views with not like I described it originally in my notes as finding someone that she wants to actually like be with long-term. But then I had to revise it because I didn't even, I wouldn't even equate this to, to necessarily a relationship. It's like she wants, I mean, verse three, she says, so don't you stop being a man. Just take a little look from outside when you can. Like, yeah. she's wanting, which I guess that kind of implies a relationship with a man. But it's like she's wanting so much more than that. She wants, She's asking to be given a reason to love the person, given a reason to be a woman, because she wants someone who can 
like stated in previ- a previous track, wanting somebody who can look outside of their own mind and realize that, yes, they may have a singular view, but everybody else who exists also has a singular view. So yeah. yours isn't the only one. And to have empathy. I guess empathy is the big take home from this track for me. Yeah, I agree. I think that is one of the key components of the song. This kind of puts puts a finer point on things that I've been saying, I think, where I took it as, like, she says, I just want to be a woman in the chorus, which I think, in my mind, is kind of the implication of, like, she doesn't want to be a model. She doesn't want to be this picture perfect. She just wants to exist and and be loved and to love somebody else kind of a thing where it... I don't know. It, it it felt like instead of being viewed and treated as a sex symbol, and and she's even she's even tired of being or of acting like one because in the first verse she says at the end of it, she says uh, I'm going to give my heart away, leave it for other girls to play, for I've been a temptress too long, which is kind of implying that she was being deceitful, that she was kind of playing society's game, and that she was kind of fitting into those those sex stereotypes of of being this kind of sex symbol as a woman. And this is her kind of resignation from it. She's she's kind of exhausted from trying to get her message across. She's trying tired of trying to change people and and change society. She's just going to go her own way. She's gonna she's just going to be her. She just wants to exist the way that she wants to, and she's accepting that she she can't necessarily change how the world's going to view her. And I think that's that's the way I interpreted her saying. So don't you stop being a man just take a look a little look from outside where she's still like she's not like giving up i mean i guess she is kind of giving up on society changing but she's still like she's she's being hopeful she's saying look like you you can view me how you're going to view me there's nothing i can do about that the only thing i can do is ask like you know just every once in a while try to get out of yourself try yeah. try to view things from my perspective or from anybody else's perspective i like it Empathy. Empathy. Be a good person. I know it's yeah. hard. But you know, be a good person. <laughs> I'd say it's not even that hard for just just to to do the bare minimum at least. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's it can be hard upon the start of uh trying to be like a really empathetic person. But Yeah, I mean, especially like again kind of going back to the, the people are kind of programmed to, to react a certain way to certain stimulus, right? Like people, people see a beautiful woman and they need to keep it in their pants. You know, <laughs> guys, guys, guys notoriously have, have historically been very, very bad about that kind of thing. But that's so. the thing. It's not fucking hard to do that. That's what I, I guess that's where I, I, I have to throw in an interjection is like, how hard is it to just not, like you just see, see a woman, and just to, to just not keep going <laughs> about your fucking day like you were doing five seconds ago. Just keep existing. Yeah, She's I think keep... in theory it is it is simple, it is easy. You have to have some sort of self control. I think the issue, and this is this is a big discussion that we shouldn't be getting into at the end of an episode, but <laughs> I, I think the the struggle comes from how a man was raised. Right. Yeah. As a boy, if he's around people that objectify a woman, he's not going to know it's wrong. He's not going to think anything of it, and it's going to become second nature. Things can get fucking smacked upside the head. (laughs) We can only hope. But that's the issue: is that that if a woman does that, there's also consequences to that. That that maybe they they can't they they women have been beaten down so much to the point where they're just like, this is life. There's no point in me wasting time smacking this guy across the face even not that if i i wholly agree you should if someone is creeping on you and being being a pervert fucking smack them who gives a shit but that's me saying this as a man right yeah i don't have i don't have the years of being treated like an object that has got to be defeating and or someone or someone who can throw hands back like that's the thing it's like if if i go smack somebody it's it's a different there's a different implication right. than if like a five foot four woman smacks <laughs> a, a six foot tall dude. Like, yeah, like, like shit, dude. The well, dynamic I mean, is completely different. That's why they need somebody with a fucking baseball bat at the beginning <laughs> of every who just bonks guys. Just, yeah. Like, fucking bonks, throws them in jail. You know? Hell yeah. Horny jail. 
good old good old internet memes coming through. Anyways, this this was Portishead's uh, dummy album. I really liked it. Joey seems to really like it. I hope you guys liked it if you listened to it. If you haven't listened to it and you've only listened to Glory Box, check it out. If you haven't listened to Glory Box, listen to Glory Box, but then also listen to the whole album. Yeah. Because it's it's a solid album through and through. And I'm, I'm glad we went here this week. It, it felt right. It's a good discovery. I'm glad Joey discovered a lot that he liked from this album. Hey, me too. I like liking things. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good feeling to like things. You know, you can like things without disliking things and that's how you know you found a, a good thing i think hell yeah I, I really just didn't say anything there i just said words felt like reggie watts you know just doing some of his, his older stand-up where he just oh, he oh speaks without saying anything that is the best don't get me started on reggie watts for an hour and five minutes <laughs> next anyway. week next oh, week next we're, week. we're listening to an album joey has picked what are we listening to joey Next week, we're listening to an album by Library Tapes. It's called Alone in the Bright Lights of a Shattered Life. Um, Hell yeah. I've, I, I, my notes, my notebook that I keep music in, like the names of stuff that I need to listen to, it, my notebook says I've listened to it. I don't necessarily really remember anything about it. So that could be... Going in blind. That could be a bad thing, or that could just mean I didn't actually listen to it, and maybe I just like scribbled next to it or something. I don't know. Well, either way, I'll, I'll either love it or hate it, I'm sure. There's no middle ground. You have to be extreme in every aspect of your life. Hell yeah. Otherwise, you're not even living your life. Leave us some comments. Let us know what you think of this episode, what you think of Portis Head. If you have any other recommendations, drop them in the comments. Let us know. Let us know what you're, how you're feeling. You know, How are you? Yeah, I'm, for real. Just, just chat. Chat. Just hang out with us, man. Hit us up. Send us, send us some DMs. We'll talk back. Stay in our feedback loop. Bye. Thank you.